Let's open our Bibles, please, to the book of Romans, chapter 1. We want to read verses 1 through 16. But first I'll read verse 15 for our text, and then we'll read the context here. Romans chapter 1, and we'll read verse 15 and then go back to verse 1. Paul says, So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. We're going to use that for a text. I am ready. Paul was ready. And let's read beginning with verse 1. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, that's his humanity, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. That's his deity. So the humanity in verse 3 and the deity in verse 4. By whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ. To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of His Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. For I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end you may be established. That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Now I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but was led hitherto, that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. If you'll notice verse 14, he says, I am debtor. Verse 15, he says, I am ready. Verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Three times he says, I am. But we want to deal with this one in verse 15, where he says, So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. We're going to use those three words for our text. I am ready. The Apostle Paul was ready. I believe he had a zeal and a desire that he was anxious as well to do what God had called him to do. And of course, we know that he was called to be an apostle, and he was a preacher and an apostle and a missionary, and he was doing what God wanted him to do. We might say that that is his motto, I am ready. You know, we have a motto in the Boy Scouts, be prepared. So, Paul was prepared. He was ready in every sense of the word. Immediately at his conversion, he said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? He was not only saved when he repented then on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9 when the Lord dealt with him, but he accepted the Lord and he surrendered to preach at the same time. He surrendered to do whatever God wanted him to do. 
you know, a lot of times we have young men that uh, are converted. They accept Christ as their Savior, baptized. Later on, maybe they're, they get into Sunday school and doing things God wants them to do. And maybe then later they're called to preach. But Paul, all of it happened at one time for the Apostle Paul. He was saved and called all at the same time. And he said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And we find immediately he began to do what God wanted him to do. Even in his life as he persecuted Christians, he thought he was doing the will of God. We can read in the book of, let's see, 1 Timothy chapter 1. Let me turn over there to 1 Timothy chapter 1. And verse, uh, let's read verse 12 and 13. He says, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. So the Apostle Paul recounts the fact that God counted him faithful, putting him into the ministry. That's 1 Timothy chapter 1, beginning with verse 12 through 15. So we find that uh, he was ready at the very beginning. And when he was going about persecuting Christians... You read over in the book of Acts chapter 9, what he was doing. Let's read in verse 1. Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, it was called a way, this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. That's what he was doing. And as he journeyed, he came near to Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven, and, and he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying, saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Jesus took it as a personal offense to himself when Paul, when Saul, this time Saul of Tarsus, was persecuting Christians. He says, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And then we go on and read the rest of the story, how he received his instructions, and how he was at that time called to be an apostle to the Gentiles. So we find that Paul was ready from the beginning. He was ready to speak to few or to crowds. He was ready to preach to philosophers, to the Pharisees, the Sadducees. He stood before Felix and before Festus and before King Agrippa. And old Agrippa finally said, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And I'd like to deal with each of those, but I won't have time to do that. He was ready during the storm on the sea when he gave instruction to the Sailors, and when he prayed for them for their safety, and they wouldn't listen to Paul, but God had promised him that he would give him all those that sail with thee. You know, I'll have a sermon on that. God has given you all those that sail with you. Make that a personal application. Make that in your own life. Those that, that you're associated with in life. And pray that God will give you all those that sail with you. 
or that journey with you in this life. The lives that you can touch personally and individually. Now I realize that most of us won't amount to great people in society. But if we can do what God wants us to do, He can take what little we have to offer or what we have to offer and make it great and make it large enough to reach even to the ends of the world. I know even on our internet service we have hundreds and hundreds of people in China listening to us. And we have a report back there. You can look at it and see all countries, Romania, Czech Republic, Russia, United uh, Emirates, uh, Saudi Arabia, Australia, New Zealand, Canada, and then all the states of the United States. So God can take what we have and use it for His glory. And He can make it larger than we ever imagined. I didn't, never imagined that one sermon that well, I would preach to you from this pulpit would reach thousands of people. That one sermon. I have also a report there of the sermons. And just one individual sermon has been listened to thousands of times. So we never know what God will do with us if we'll just try to do what He wants us to do. So Paul was ready. He was ready to gather up sticks when they were stranded to the to the island and he took up the sticks to put on the fire. And if necessary, he was ready to make a living making tents. He was a tent maker if that was necessary. He was always ready to go and ready to do the Lord's bidding. We shall try to center our message on three main headings. Let me give you these three main headings. The state of Paul's mind is seen by his declaration when he declared, I am ready. The state of his mind. What was he thinking? And then, secondly, how this state of mind arose from excellent principles. There were principles in his life that caused him to be in this state of mind. And then, the third thing, how that such readiness produces the very best results. It will produce the best results. Let's think, first of all, the state of Paul's mind, which enables him to say, I am ready. I wonder how many of us can say under God today and truthfully to God that I'm ready to do what you want me to do. I'm ready to do your will. The Bible says, He that doeth the will of God abideth forever. To, to show Paul's realization, I want to give you four passages of Scripture. The first one is the text that we have here. He said in Romans 1 verse 15, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. When we think of it in the context... Think of the fact that he said, I'm a debtor, both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and the unwise. He was ready because he was debtor. He felt himself indebted to those that needed to hear the gospel. He knew that many people needed to hear. Do we realize the necessity of people hearing the gospel? Wise and unwise, Greeks and barbarians. Then he goes on to say to the Jew first and also to the Greek down in verse 16. And in verse 16 he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. That, that's why he was ready. Because he knew that it had power to change men's lives. To save men from their sins. To convert them. To make new creatures out of them. And servants of God and children of God. And he knew the power of the gospel. By the way, it still has the same power. The Bible says that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. 
It doesn't have to be held up by celebrity or some some things that we try to prop it up with nowadays. You know, we have a lot of these big TV evangelists. They think if they can get a couple of celebrities on there, that that'll really boost the gospel. Well, in some cases, they give good testimonies. I'm not against that. But you don't have to prop up the gospel with anything. It stands on its own two feet, if you want to put it that way. It says, I am the power of God unto salvation. Paul says that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. So Paul was ready. He proved his readiness. For he had preached in Asia. He preached in Europe. He preached in Greece. He was ready to go anywhere and everywhere as long as he knew it to be the will of God. And that's what we should be doing is surrender to the will of God. Paul was not ready to pervert the gospel. He speaks of those that would pervert the gospel of Christ in the book of Galatians. Remember, he says, though we preach any other gospel, any man or an angel from heaven, he says, let him be accursed. He says, if anyone preaches any other gospel than that I preached unto you, let him be accursed. Isn't that a hard and strong word? But yet, Paul would not permit the gospel to be perverted. He wanted it to be preached as it really is. And then he speaks of another passage of Scripture. I believe it's 2 Corinthians 11, verse 4. Uh, Maybe I'll read that one for you. When he says that those that that preach another gospel. Let's see if that's the one it says. It's 11, verse 4. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 4 says, For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom we have not preached. You know, there's some people that preach another Jesus. It's not the Jesus we have revealed in the Bible. It's the one they've imagined or try to build up or try to, to, to focus on presenting to you. He says, If he preached another Jesus, whom we have not preached, which ye have, or if ye have received another spirit, which ye have not received, or another gospel, which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. If you'll notice that word him is in italics, and the, the actual rendering is me. You might well bear with me. In other words, you can find that you should bear with what the Apostle Paul says instead of just bearing with anybody that comes along. And so he says, another Jesus, another spirit, another gospel. And there is what is called in the Bible another gospel. There, there are those that preach a false gospel. And so that's what Paul was referring to when he said that if any man pervert the gospel of Christ, let him be accursed. And Paul knew what the gospel was, and he declared. You know, how many people today know what the gospel is? Paul says, I declare unto you the gospel. Look in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein you stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. Now look. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ, here's the gospel, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, the death of Christ. Uh, and that he was buried and he, that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. And he says, I declare unto you the gospel. The gospel he had received and the gospel he preached. He didn't say, well, now you know the gospel might be this or that or the other. He said, I declare unto you the gospel. He knew what it meant. You read the last chapter, uh, verses of the fourth chapter of the book of Romans, 
where it says that if we believe on Him who was delivered for our offenses and raised again for our justification, then it will be imputed to us. That is, God's righteousness will be imputed to us or counted or reckoned to us. You read that Scripture and then it says in Romans 5 verse 1, Therefore, what has gone before? Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What? Salvation by faith and God's righteousness imputed because we believe that Christ was delivered for our offenses and raised again for our justification. That same gospel pointed out in the book of Romans. And he preached that gospel. And he preached it everywhere he went. He knew what it was all about. So he was ready to preach the gospel. Are we as ready as Paul was to go where Jesus leads us to go and to preach Christ and Him crucified? The Bible, you know, he said one time, Woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. That's 1 Corinthians 9 verse 16. A second reference. Look in Acts 21 verse 13. Acts chapter 21 and verse 13. If I can find it. Notice it says, Then Paul answered, What mean ye to weep and to break mine heart? For I am ready... Now, what about Paul? For I am ready not only uh, not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. He was not only ready to preach, but he was ready to suffer. He said he would suffer for Christ's sake during his preaching. Look in Acts chapter 20, 22 through 24. It says, And now behold, I go bound in spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesses in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. In other words, bonds and afflictions await me. I know that when I go to Jerusalem to preach, I'm going to have these things. But verse 24, he says, But none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. He says, I'm willing to go even if it means suffering. You know, a lot of folks like to sail on smooth waters. But Paul could get in the storms of life. And Christians are that way. Sometimes we say, as long as everything is going well, I'll do what God wants me to do. But what if they're not going so well? What if you have to suffer a little bit for Christ's sake? Did you know your suffering for Christ is a gift of God? Did you know that? I'll give you a scripture to prove. Look in the book of Philippians chapter 1, if I can find it. No, next to last verse. Verse 29. Philippians 1 verse 29, it says, For unto you it is given... Given, that's a gift, right? In the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on Him, what everyone says. He's given me the opportunity to believe on Him. Amen. But look at the rest of the verse. But also to suffer for His sake. Do you consider that a gift too? That's what he says here. It's given you in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on Him. The Bible said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. But also to suffer for His sake. And sometimes we say, oh, I didn't know I was going to have to undergo this or that or the other. But God has given you that and it's going to be a blessing to you. The Bible says if we suffer with Him, Romans chapter 8, and I won't give you all the verses, we shall also reign with Him. And He said furthermore, for I reckon, He must have been a southerner. He says, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. In other words, people say, they suffered so much, surely they've got something in, in heaven. And, uh, you know, 
and they compare it. But Paul says they're not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Let's get this gospel straight from the Word of God and then we'll know what it's all about. Paul was ready. You and I may be called upon not only to serve, but also to suffer for Christ's sake. Maybe not in exactly the same way that the Apostle Paul suffered, yet nevertheless to suffer. And can we do it patiently? Can we be patient in all that midst of that? In 2 Corinthians 10, verse 6, Paul reminds us of his readiness to do unpleasant work. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 10, verse 6. It says, And having in readiness, look, to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. And he was speaking to this church at Corinth that he had to try to set straight. The church at Corinth had sunk into a sad condition. They had no minister. They had an open ministry. In other words, everybody tried to be the preacher and the deacons and so on. In other words, we're all the same. Well, we all are the same before God. But God has chosen certain men and certain people to do, fill certain offices in places. Well, if that's not so, I'll just sit down and let one of you get up here and finish whatever. But God has chosen certain people for certain things. And you know, they had that open ministry. Have you ever seen churches? And there are churches around about us that say, we just do as the Lord leads each one of us to do. Well, do you have an under-shepherd? Do you have a shepherd of the flock? Do you have a guide? Do you have someone to show you from God's Word, the way wherein you should go. The Bible tells us the way we should go, but uh, also God has uh, ordained ministry, teaching and preaching. They had an open ministry. They all tried to be the teachers. They all thought themselves as gifted as they needed to be so that they didn't even need a minister. No one would take care of the responsibility. Everybody's business. Instead, it's all of our business. Sometimes... Everybody's business is nobody's business. You guys that are out here contracting and you you know you got a, a crew of maybe 10, 15 people, just say, I'll just let these guys do what they want to do and the building, it'll go up. I don't think so. You better have someone with a blueprint. You better have someone that's ahead of the plumbing department, the electrical department, and the, and the painting department, and all the other departments. Someone knows how to pour the foundation, put the steel in it, say, oh, they poured the concrete. Did they put some steel in? Oh, I don't know. There better be some in there, hadn't there? So you, you better have someone that, that knows what they're doing to take care of the business. Paul would have them to try a minister in the church and, and have one that would lead them guide them. Paul went among these people to set things right in the church, to administer discipline. And if they needed that, Paul was ready to die. Second Corinthians chapter 4. Let me give you another scripture. Second Corinthians chapter 4. Notice, he says in verse 6, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. He knew that he was going to be executed, and he was ready. He was ready to die because he had learned how to live. You know, you don't, you're not ready to die unless you've learned how to live. If you learn how to live, you may learn in the process of how to die. The best example of that is Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. You know why? The very first word He spoke from the cross was, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The first three words were concerning others. His mother and John and the repentant thief. And then the last four words were spoken concerning His sufferings. 
that he suffered on the cross and the purpose of those sufferings. And the last word itself was, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. In between there, he said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? So what did he do? The first thing he did while he's hanging on the cross, he put others first. Others first. Then he suffered for our sins and was forsaken of God because he was bearing the judgment of our sin. And then at last, the last word was Father. The first word was Father. Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. In other words, I've done what you want me to do now, and so, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Even if it took suffering for our sins and being made a curse for us as he hung on the cross of Calvary. All of these things are true. So you learn how to live, you'll be prepared to die. Isn't that a wonderful lesson? You learn how to live and you'll learn how to die. So anyway, we're going with this. Let's see where I was. So Paul was ready. Let us be an example. Let us follow his example. Who are active in the Lord's work and taking the talents He's given us and using them. We have strength and health. We have to fight the good fight of faith. We're to use all of our talents for the Lord. And then we'll be able to say like Paul, I'll finish the course that you've laid out for me. He kept the faith, guarding the Word of God. The Bible says, holding forth the Word of Truth. He said, I'm now ready to be offered. Offered in the time of my departure is at hand. Laid up for me in heaven a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give to me, and not to me only, but to all them also that love his appearing. We're all included in those rewards if we will but just follow what he's laid us out to do. Well, that's one point of our sermon. Now, point two. Paul's readiness arose from excellent principles. Principles are important in a person's life. Paul, Paul's readiness to preach was based on his solemn conviction of the truth of the gospel. He knew that it was true and he wanted to pass it on to others. They could believe it. Paul believed the gospel. In 2 Corinthians 4 verse 13, he says, I have believed, therefore have I spoken. A lot of people have spoken that have not believed. He says, I believed and therefore I've spoken. We speak what we believe with deep conviction. And it should be with deep, deep conviction. And he declared the gospel. We've already been through that in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 4. He said, I declare unto you the gospel. Look briefly at this first chapter of the book of Romans, our text. And you'll find the gospel mentioned four times. Look in verse 1. It says, separated under the gospel of God. That's verse 1. And you go on down and read in verse 3, it was concerning His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now drop down to verse 9. For God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of His Son. So in verse 1, it's the gospel of God. In verse 9, it's the gospel of His Son. See that? Now then, look at verse 15. The gospel is to be preached. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel. It's to be preached. And then in verse 16, it's mentioned as the gospel is the power of God. Look, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Four times over, you have the gospel here in Romans chapter 1. Paul was ready because he did not want to be disobedient. And we've already said, he said, Woe is me if I preach not the gospel. Paul counted it a very great responsibility. We should realize that we have a responsibility. Every one of us here. You say, well, I'm not a preacher. That doesn't make any difference. God saved people to serve. Every person He saved, He saved to do something. To serve. You read 
In the book of Ephesians chapter 2, it says, for by, verse 8, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Salvation is, salvation is completely by grace through faith. But verse 10 says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So He saved us to serve. And every one of us should have a place in God's service. You need to find out what place God has for you in His service. Someone says, well, I can't preach. I'm not a preacher, and I'm not a deacon, and I'm not a Sunday school teacher. But can you not pray? Can you not invite someone to the house of God? Can you not tell them that you've been saved by the grace of God? I mean, is that a real hard job to do? Not really difficult. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God. Listen, which is your reasonable service. Isn't it your reasonable service to do these things? And he goes on to say in verse 2, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and perfect, acceptable and perfect will of God. So Paul was ready. He was ready because he did not want to be disobedient. We don't want to disobey God either, do we? He was ready because he had freed himself from all entanglements. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, it says, No man that warreth entangles himself with the affairs of this life. Sometimes we can let the affairs of this life hold us back from doing what God wants us to do. You say, well, I have to deal with the affairs of this life. Do we not all have to deal with them? But we cannot let those, the affairs of this life rule the way we serve God. You can put them on the back. You've heard this, putting them on the back burner. We can do that. We'll say, you know that just crowded out my time to do anything for God. I just have so much to do. I've got a little bit to do myself. But I'll put it on the back burner if it is necessary in order for me to, to preach and do the work serve God and do what He wants us to do. That does not mean that you won't have time to do the other, but put it in its proper place. The Bible says, "What Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things, and if you go back in the context, it's all the necessary things. All these things shall be added unto you. So it's a matter of putting first things first in our lives. Paul was ready because he considered himself a debtor to all men. He says, I'm debtor, verse 14. We're debtors to preach the gospel. We're debtors to send out missionaries as a church. We're debtors to Christ. We're debtors to the church itself. Someone says, you know, the church, I don't owe anything to the church. Well, let me just put it this way. You're here this morning, and you're hearing a sermon, and I hope it's somewhat of a help. Had there not been a church established... Had there not been some faithful people in times past, 20, 30, 40 years ago, that started and were faithful and got it established, you couldn't be here this morning and hear the message. And if it's any blessing at all to you, or any instruction whatsoever, then we owe it, we're indebted to some people that have gone before us. Whether we like to admit it or not. I'm indebted to the people that taught me in the, in the seminary in, in Fort Worth and Arlington. Greatly indebted to them. Because of their teaching, I'm able to teach. Humanly speaking, I owe a great deal. So we owe a great deal. We're indebted, whether we realize it or not. And we're indebted to get the message out. 
Paul was ready because he knew the gospel to be the power of God and salvation to everyone that believeth, and he was willing to pass that gospel on and to preach it. Last of all, let's see, number three, how this readiness produces a very the very best results. If you're ready to do the will of God, you will not be taken by surprise. When God permits bad news to come into your life concerning your family, your loved ones, or your own self, your heart is still fixed on God, trusting in God. The Bible says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. I've gone through, through some things in the last six or eight, ten years that only by the grace of God could I endure. And I don't know how many of you, I know some of you have, but only by God's grace. And I know that there's a scripture I always hang on to. Thou shalt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. It's Isaiah 26 verse 3. You might jot it down or remember. Isaiah 26 verse 3. So if you have your mind stayed upon the Lord and trust in the Lord. Another one. Proverbs 3 verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall bring it to pass. He's going to take care of it. So we have to trust. We need to trust in God. We won't be taken by surprise. Our heart will be fixed upon the Lord. The Bible says, What time I'm afraid, I will trust in thee. The fear arise. What time I'm afraid, what are you to do? I will trust in thee. All of us have fears, do we not? I will trust in thee. We need God's grace to be prepared for every emergency that comes in our lives. And if you're ready, you will make best use of their time and opportunity. You know, the Bible says redeeming the time because the days are evil. And then readiness will help you to make good use of every occasion by force of habit. The force of your habit of doing things in life will master how you live with other people. If you're in a habit of just treating other people mean, you'll treat the next fellow mean. If you're in the habit of being kind and courteous and generous and loving toward people, it'll be your habit. It'll be your nature to do so. Did you know that? Someone said, they'll tell me about some brother or sister in the church that did so and so. I say, I don't believe it. You know why I don't believe it? It's not their habit. Not their way they do. It's not the way they live. Because I know them to be kind. I know them to be sympathetic. I know them to be prayerful. I know them to be a child of God that tries to live right and do right. You can't accuse them before me and tell me that they did so and so, I'm going to say, where did you get that information? How did that come about? Gossip, isn't it? 90% of the time, someone telling something bad about someone else because they've got a little nift about something. Well, we don't live that way. Make it a habit. And to be ready means that we are obedient to the will of God. The Bible says, He that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Without hesitation. Remember Philip and the eunuch? Philip joined himself. It says he ran and joined himself to that chariot when the eunuch was riding along. The Holy Spirit caused him to move immediately. Without hesitation. When God calls you to do something, be ready to do it. Be ready to die. Remove all fear of death. Paul says, I'm ready. And let me remind you, and last of all, and this will be, we'll have our invitation in just a moment. Let me remind you that Jesus is ready to save the repentant sinner. He's ready to restore the backslidden Christian. He is ready for you to come. Jesus is ready for you to be in the church. And if you have never been, follow Him in baptism and be in His service and do His will.
Now then, the question is, are you ready to answer that call? Jesus calls us. We're going to sing as we stand together. Song lead and pen has come. I'm pretty sure 375, just as I am. And as we sing this invitation hymn, if you're here this morning and God has stirred your heart some way, and you know you need to come. Maybe you're a child of God, you've been saved, you've been baptized. But you need to restore yourself to fellowship with God. We invite you to come. If you need a church home, we invite you to move your membership. We want God to have His way in your life as we sing, just as I am, as we sing now.